Welcome to the Authentic Sales Leader Podcast, where we bring on exceptional sales leaders to dig into their stories and experiences, get their advice, and most importantly, learn what it means to them to be an authentic sales leader. I'm your host, Jeff Kerchick, and I suggest you grab a notebook and a pen, as every episode is packed with their wisdom and knowledge. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Authentic Sales Leader Podcast brought to you by Humantic AI. I'm your host, Jeff Kerchick. And today we are bringing in a very special guest, very good friend of mine. We actually met on LinkedIn a couple of years ago during the pandemic. And we've had the good fortune of building a good friendship relationship. Um, actually got to meet in person for the first time a few weeks ago. Uh, he is a multiple-time award-winning author and sales leader, director at uh, Microsoft, uh, Carson Hetty. How are you doing today? Jeff, I'm great. Uh, I've been traveling, spending time with our customers and colleagues, and so that, that stuff reinvigorates me every time. And it's always good to see you. So uh, how could I ask for anything more? Yeah, don't flatter me too much. But um, but I appreciate you making time to do the podcast. You're, you're one of the more respected uh, and most influential folks on LinkedIn and the sales and the, and the SaaS community. So um, let's kind of dig right in. Maybe just give us a quick introduction to who you are, what you do. Um, let, let's start there. If I were to start, I would say I'm just a lifelong student of sales. I love selling. I love uh, sales leadership, building teams. Um, I've been in sales for, my goodness, 20 plus years uh, in multiple capacities in large organizations like Microsoft and AT&T and some smaller ones as well. So uh, really good mix. I've done B2B, knocked on and pulled doors. I've cold called and I've also worked in enterprise sales. And so I've uh, gotten a lot of really great experience. I've written a few books. Um, you know, I get the pleasure of doing uh, some podcast shows, uh, some with you and, um, you know, just really doing anything and everything that I can to really embody and illuminate everything that I love about selling. So I get the, the pleasure of talking with a lot of sales folks. I'm currently a sales director at Microsoft, uh, where I've been for the last nine and a half years. And it's been a, an amazing experience. So enjoying the ride. Love it. So uh, in the spirit of the, the, the title of the podcast, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be an authentic sales leader? Um, topic near and dear to me. Obviously, I wrote a book called Authentic Selling. Um, would love to hear from your thoughts, like from a leadership perspective. What is it? What do you think about when I say, you know, someone's an authentic sales leader? What comes to mind? Um, you know, frankly, it's the opposite of what I was probably initially trained to be years ago. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I feel like when I came up as a sales leader, I didn't have a lot of mentors. And, uh, you know, we kind of had this, um, we kind of had this thing where we had to be bulletproof. We had to be the smartest person in the room. And it's the exact opposite of that. It's being human. It's meeting people where they are. Uh, it's really understanding how, how do I build this foundation of trust and transparency with my team. And uh, in doing so, you know, a lot of that is uh, sharing that experience um, that, that you've had. I think where I've been able to help teams is, um, you know, letting them know through wins and often losses, um, how I've gotten the experience that can help them see around corners. So authentic leadership is is really all about meeting people where they are, uh, staying at the pulse of your team, understanding what matters to them and what makes them tick, being human and, and, and uh, not feeling this compulsion to be the hero. You're the hero maker now. 
And uh, so I think those are the, the principles that are that are uh, really key to me, making sure that your team is privy to all the resources that they have that can help them be successful, putting them in a position to win, removing the legitimate barriers to their success and supporting them, being their, being their fan, being their advocate, being their evangelist. Those things are authentic leadership. Yeah, I love the uh, just calling it out being a human, right? Um, you know, I think a lot of times in these leadership roles, people feel like they have to uh, they have to be the pro all the time, and therefore, you know, they're you know they they kind of only talk about the good things, and you know, the the real humans are people that are honest and 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 vulnerable, right? And so I love that. I guess are, are there any examples you can share about a time where you feel like you know leaning into this like authentic leadership philosophy? Uh, paid off for you with, with a, you know, a team member or something like that. Uh, one of my favorite stories of this was actually, uh, it was years ago. Um, there was a, a, a team that had been formed that was uh, called a customer experience team. And this was um, at a prior organization that I worked and, um, you know, they were basically, they worked with our existing customers, you know, typically post-sale and they would work to make sure that the investment was was working, that they were getting the value out of the investment. But uh, they were also charged with upsell, and uh, they were they were flailing from a results perspective. Um, you know, they were traditionally doing about seventy uh, percent to goal. They did seventy eight percent one month, and I was sitting in a leadership meeting, and they were talking about just shutting this group down. Um, would have impacted a lot of folks' jobs, and uh, I. I volunteered. I said, I'll, I'll take them. Um, and I already had a lot on my plate. I had a full, like, you know, two organizations that I managed and uh, a couple of remote call centers. And I uh, said, I'll, I'll take these folks. And I think it's interesting because um, anytime there's a new boss, you know, and especially if you come in with a preconceived notion, they knew I was a really passionate young sales leader. Um, they probably thought I was going to come in start making, you know, quick knee jerk changes and things of that nature. But I did the exact opposite. Um, I actually just, you know, came in and sat with them while they were on calls. I listened. Um, I didn't tell them what to do or say. I observed. And then I would get their feedback and I would ask them like, hey, look, you're probably aware that, uh, you know, this team is not doing what it needs to do from a results perspective. I'd love to get your feedback. What's working? What's not? If you were to make changes, if this was up to you to keep this team uh, surviving, what changes would you make? And I got feedback from the entire team. I figured out what made them tick. Uh, we came together as a team and we agreed on some of the changes that we wanted to make to like time allotted in between calls, um, you know, some key metrics that we were wanting to chase. And the first month that we worked together, we did 141% to goal. Um, that was my favorite example of this because it was, it was really, I needed their buy-in. I needed to understand what mattered to them, but they also needed to understand the predicament that they were in and uh, they needed to be part of the solution. And so uh, it just, it worked magically. I love that. Like coming in, not with this mentality that you're going to tell people how to do things or how to fix things. Um, it reminds me of this like leadership. Uh, I think I learned from like a leadership coach, this idea of like uh, stop, start and continue. And it's like these three things where you, you kind of go to the team and say, Hey, here's a thing that we should probably continue doing, right? Like this is what's going well per your point, Carson. Like when you're talking to them, here's something we should probably stop doing, you know, and maybe something that we should start doing, right? And I think kind of through that framework, you kind of get some good, you know, some some good action items. Um, what about like on the individual contributor level? I mean, you wear kind of multiple hats. You're a leader, uh, but you also are responsible for 
um, closing deals and being part of uh, these, you know, kind of like an individual contributor role, if you will. So in that capacity, you're obviously dealing with, uh, you know, large customers and you have to build relationships. And how do you think uh, you're an authentic seller and how does that come through uh, for you in a, in a sales role? I was an IC for a long time and I'm so grateful for that experience because I think it really gave me credibility when I moved into a leadership role uh, with ICs even here today at Microsoft um, because a lot of that experience comes down to knowing how to leverage all the resources that are at your disposal, the value that you can bring. Um, that's what you got to figure out. That's what you have to get grounded in. What's the unique value that I bring to this customer? Sometimes it's you, it's your communication style, it's your responsiveness, it's um, how you deliver on your promises, it's how you um, you know, champion the customer and their story and their journey when you're trying to sell internally to get discounting, investments, workshops, resources, whatever it is. Um, those are the types of things that's, that's the value that you bring. And it's funny, I look back, look, when I came to Microsoft, I had zero technology experience on paper. There was no reason that I should have been here, but I was recruited by someone um, who was forming a new team uh, as a brand new role. And they felt that I would be hungry and they felt that I would be um, successful. And uh, we were, um, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, eight quarters in a row out of St. Louis, we were uh, number one in the world. And, um, you know, th those two years, and then I got promoted into something else. Uh, but it's always been around building community around what we do. Um, I've always enjoyed the deals where someone said, um, we've chased this for three years, you're not going to get it done. Um, you know, whenever I get the the new customer or, or whatever it is, uh, uh, there was another one that said, oh, these this customer, they like to take people to the altar, uh, but they'll never marry you type of approach. And uh, I, I, I relish those challenges because, you know, the expectations can be low. Uh, you come in and you really just have to figure out where, where is this customer? Um, you know, you and I have talked many, many times around the value that I've gotten out of social selling using all of the tools possible at your disposal, a lot of them being LinkedIn, uh, tools like Humantic AI, uh, other tools that create and nurture relationships based on arming yourself with Intel, uh, but also helping you know, who do I reach out to? Who are the influencers? Who are the movers and shakers? And also who influences them? Because I can't control who's going to respond to me. But when I'm in the room, that's when I've got to be doing uh, you know, the, the surveillance. I got to figure out, okay, what, what matters to these people? How can I deliver value from my unique position? Um, and then I'm very diligent. I'm very responsive, very communicative. And it's all about winning the business for them so that they see the value in what you bring to bear. Um, you know, the biggest deal I've ever closed, I walked into a scenario where I managed to get a meeting. I reached out to 100 people on LinkedIn, um, managed to get a meeting with the president uh, early on in a role. And uh, we, we sat down, I gave him a copy of my CEO's book, highlighted some passages that I felt were relevant to him and his organization. They were looking at the other guys. They were looking at competitors. Uh, they were not con you know, doing much uh, with us and they weren't even thinking about us. But where they started to think about us was because I was, I was able to articulate uh, a narrative around how we had helped other organizations very similarly and how we had a model that was unique to doing what they wanted to do. They wanted to commercialize a product and kind of build something and go to market. Now, what I couldn't control is over you know the two-year sales cycle that this big deal took, um, lots of folks left. Uh, we faced a pandemic. Uh, there were seven C-level changes. Um, this president retired 
But what I could control was the relationships that I created and how I was there and sought to serve and stayed at the pulse of what mattered. They changed the entire impetus and priorities for this deal, but we got a deal done because of the relationships that we had, you know, as they were reading in some of these new executives, we were so ingrained and entrenched in their culture. We had created this, um, you know, this groundswell of influence and that's what it takes to be a successful individual contributor and authentic seller in a direct selling environment. I love that. You know, we've talked a lot about like the locus of control thing, you and me. And like, I love that, you know, you tell the story about two years and all these changes pandemic. And it's like, well, you know, a lot of these things are out of my locus of control. Worrying about them isn't going to be helpful, but what can you control is like these authentic relationships you built, the preparation you're doing and understanding their business. I love the idea of bringing them the book. Um, that's all really great stuff. Um, you talked a little bit a bit too earlier about, you know, some of the tech stack and things that have evolved. Like, you know, how do you, how have you seen the world of selling evolving over time? You know, for me, like, you know, a lot of information is already now more publicly available. Right. And so like, I feel like the salesperson's job used to be more of like an education about the product. I feel like it's, it's actually shifting and there's more of an onus on sellers to be like experts on, um, their industry and more like consultative, but what are your thoughts? You know, how have you seen selling evolve over the last, you know, let's call it, you know, 10 to 15 years. Yeah. The bar is raised. Um, the ecosystem looks so different and, and like I compare and contrast it almost to like being in the medical field. You know, you have doctors that uh, became very used to doing uh, diagnosis and surgeries in a very specific certain way. And now the tech has changed in such a way that, um, you're remiss, you're negligent not to explore and adapt some of the mechanisms that exist today that help you uh, diagnose more effectively and earlier. Um, and then also on the same token to uh, more effectively do surgeries with lower mortality rates and um, you know quicker recovery times and things of that nature. Same things apply in sales. You are negligent if you're not evolving to incorporate and assimilate some of these new tools uh, into your arsenal. Not all of them are going to work in every scenario, but I think that's why. And you got this is going to be personal to you. You've got to go out and figure out what should be in your tool bag. What should be in your uh, your your, uh, your golf bag? You know, what clubs are you taking out there to play? Um, you know, those things are super, super important because um, you hit the nail on the head, Jeff. It's all about intel. We have to arm ourselves with information. Um, you know, Gordon Gecko said back in Wall Street, information is still the greatest commodity. And that is still the case today. How are you arming yourself with information about your target customer, about the industry you're working in? Um, you know, I, I set up email alerts. I use Sales Navigator. I subscribe to business journals. I subscribe to every trade magazine for my industry. I read the Wall Street Journal. I know what's going on so that I'm armed with a perspective. Because ultimately, you've got to show up. And before the dominoes start to fall, which what I mean by that is when you create a relationship, you, you just got to start having dialogue. You got to have at bats. You got to start having dialogue. And once you start talking to a few of these key movers and shakers, you're going to now be armed with a perspective. Plus, you have the power of saying, hey, I talked to Joe, your CFO, or I talked to Mary, uh, your uh, chief marketing officer, whatever it is. Now you're armed with their perspective as well. It just makes yours better. And you've created this avalanche of influence within these organizations. So sales is evolving because the tools have taken it to a new level. Customers are more informed than they've ever been, as you just said. And we now have these 
tools that can advance, create opportunity and advance deals and sales cycle like never before. With that comes a great responsibility. Uh, there's also a lot of noise because there's a lot of ineffective, poor, mediocre, lackluster salespeople that are using some of these tools uh, like AI and automation ineffectively. And they're using it to create noise or spam. And so we, as what I like to call noble knights of the selling game, we've got to step above that. We got to rise above, we got to stand out um, using video and things of that stature to, to show our authentic selves uh, amidst that. Um, because more and more as these tools evolve, that personalized sounding message is going to become a lot more commonplace because I can have an AI model write that for me, making it sound very personal. But what we do here, when we, how, what we do once we've created the meeting, the sales fundamentals will never go away. Well, um, yeah. So I guess like maybe just a couple more questions for you. I'd love to get like in one fell swoop here. What's your superpower and what's your biggest weakness? No, you know, I'd say my biggest superpower is building community. Um, I've approached every role I've ever been in as how can I be a problem eliminator? How can I listen to what leadership is saying and create something that not only fixes the problem for my customers and me, but my team and broader teams? If you seek to have the broadest impact possible, you create this brand and this reputation that can take you anywhere. That's what did it for me. A guy with no technical background that has managed to be promoted six times at Microsoft. That's the reason why is because I've approached every role in a way of how can I solve the problems that exist, but how do I replicate that and help deliver wins to other people, learn from people, going out and getting best practices from others and incorporating that into my arsenal. Um, in multiple roles that I've been in at Microsoft, I've created this, uh, I've created communities around people that were in the same role as I was and doing like players only type of calls where it wasn't including, um, you know, people that might have reported to us if we were managers or people above us so that we could be very candid, we could vent, we could share best practices, share thoughts. Um, from that collaboration comes such amazing outcome because we're all better as a result. We're, we're going up uh, together. And those types of things do a lot for your brand as well, because um, anytime you're looking to do anything or go anywhere, you've got to assume the position. You've got to de-risk the decision for, the, for that next hiring manager and show that you've got the chops to be able to step into that role with zero ramp time. Um, and so I think those types of things are super important. My superpower is building community and really just orchestrating wins. I, it doesn't have to be me leading the charge. You know, when I was in IC, trust me, I was perfectly good sitting in the captain's chair with the good and the bad that came with it, calling the shot, taking the flack. Uh, but as a, as a leader, you're not, you're not there. You're building a team and putting people in the position to win. You're providing coaching and counseling, but they've got to do the day to day. You know, it's like being a parent. Um, I can only instill so much in my kids. I can't make their decision for them, nor should I, nor should I want to, nor should I stress over it because it diminishes your effectiveness. So that's my key superpower. Um, you know, I remember when I started out as an account executive and I just, I tried to chase everything, every opportunity, didn't care the size, didn't care the magnitude. I thought I can close every single thing. Um, and it, it pulls you into this impossible direction. You can't possibly manage it all. 
Um, and especially in those types of scenarios, you need help. Um, you know, I work for a big organization. I've got a very dynamic team. And so um, there are areas where you have to figure out how to effectively scale. And while I wouldn't say that's a pure weakness because I've made a lot of progress and strides in it over the years, um, every day I've got to bring myself to task and apply what, uh, um, you know, actually somebody I interviewed on a podcast several months ago, Megan Reed, she calls uh, ruthless discipline of scheduling. Uh, you've got to apply that every day. So I think where I would say I've got a weakness or an opportunity is just to continue to make sure that I'm being real with myself and that I'm staying true to these daily non-negotiables. So I am at my maximum effectiveness. I, I've got to stop getting stuck in the weeds and just putting out the fires. I've got to rise above and make sure I'm executing on overall strategy so that we're all more effective. Um, you know, if you were to talk to somebody who's thinking about getting into tech sales that didn't know anything about it, what would you want them to know? Um, I had a friend of mine uh, tell me years ago before I got into tech sales, because I was thinking about like what I should do. And he said, he's like, follow the zeros. So if you're in sales, uh, you, you want to go where the, uh, the checks that are being written have the most zeros behind them because those are the ones that are going to get you a lot of visibility, get you a lot of opportunity for brand building, and they're also going to make you a lot of money. Um, tech sales is exciting, but also it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, there's a lot of changes. Uh, just over the last few years alone, I mean, you've seen a, a cloud boom, uh, but you're also seeing a lot of customers with fear of uh, potential for recession and you know some of the economic headwinds. They're making a lot of changes. And so you've got to be very versatile. You've got to be able to adapt and evolve quickly and on a dime. Um, I like to tell sellers too, nothing good or bad lasts. So develop that brand that can sustain that uncertainty and that ambiguity. That was something a mentor told me several years ago as well. Um, the last thing I would say is, and this is just true of sales in general, your network is your net worth. And this was something that a mentor told me a few years ago as well. I got laid off about a decade ago and I thought for whatever reason, all that sales leadership experience that I had and all the crushing goal, I just walk into my next role. I was dead wrong. It took me over a year to find a job and I got paid less than half of what I had gotten paid my prior year. Um, I had to build myself back up. I had to pay dues again. Um, and so uh, get yourself in. The reason why was because I had no network and um I was naive. I thought I'd retire from uh, from a company. And uh, that's just not the same. It, it, things aren't that way anymore. You know, a lot of us, we're, we're going to be working toward moving into our next role, and it may not be in the same organization. So you've got to be versatile. You've got to be able to adapt. But focus on relationships and resources. What are the key relationships that I need to be successful? That could be mentors, sponsors, managers, coaches. That's customers. That's colleagues that I can find out things from and make myself better. Um, but it's also about resources. What are the resources? What's the value that I bring to all of those people that I just named? And if you're very intentional about all of those things, you'll be wildly successful. Love it. That's a great note to end on. Carson, thank you so much for, uh, for being here with us today. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Authentic Sales Leader Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, the best way to share your gratitude is to share the show with a friend or to drop us a review on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, keep it authentic.